Welcome to Three Films in a Podcast, the show where Destiny brought together three friends to enhance each other's cinematic journey by watching three new movies in a series of themed rounds. There is no claim of ownership on any film footage used in this episode, as all film footage is owned in its entirety by the copyright holders. And just like every car in Too Fast, Too Furious, this podcast contains spoilers. Enjoy! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Three Films and a Podcast. My name is Tyler Beck. I'm coming to you from Salt Lake City, Utah, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend Matthew Weiler down in the city of trees, Pleasant Grove, Utah. PG, baby. PG, city of trees. Down in the PGs. Much unlike our episode, which is very much rated R. So if you've got your kids so. in the car or listening in the house, <laughs> you may want to turn it off. Um, and, uh, I'm also joined by my good friend, Benjamin Lawhorn. He's in Salt Lake city, Utah. EIE, which is where I remember is how to say what's up in Portuguese. Oh, okay. <laughs> Listeners of the pod may or may not know that Benjamin spent some time in Brazil, mm-hmm. uh, in his early twenties, late teens. Correct. Yes. That. Mm. So he may be dropping some Portuguese on us during the recording of the episode. So we're going to take a shot for every Portuguese. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, If you're new to the show, allow me to be the first to welcome you to our movie club. And for those of you returning, welcome back. We are certainly happy to have all of you here. Um, If you could tell all your friends and family about us where they can find us, that'd be great. Uh, You can find us on all social media platforms at 3FilmsPod. And uh, you can also check out our website, 3FilmsPod.com for cool merch and uh, Patreon support options. And, uh, you know, if you could do that, that'd be great. Like and subscribe, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. Um, But before we go any further and before we dive into this week's movie, I've got to introduce our very special guest, uh, Adam from the Below Freezing podcast and Rewind 2552 podcast. He's double duty. He's a very busy man, and we're happy to have him here. Adam, welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, such a such a treat to be here, and such a um, uh, a nice sort of uh, I, I mean, I, as you'll say later, uh, sort of an unsung gem to to talk about. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, Very one of my brand. favorites. <laughs> Should we dive into this week's episode? Let's do it. Uh, this week's episode finds us at the beginning of our third edition of our unsung gems round. Uh, typically, the movies we select are movies that we have never seen before. Uh, with the intent to explore and expand our cinematic horizons. But in an unsung gem round, it's sort of the exact opposite process by which uh, we we choose movies that we have that we have seen and uh, we just don't feel like they get enough recognition. We don't really get enough love. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just sort of a fun twist on our typical format. Uh, and we hope it's a positive influence on our movie club. And, you know, with that definition of an unsung gem in mind, my selection for this round is the 2002 Brazilian gangster story, City of God, uh, directed by Fernando. Uh, you're going to have to help me with the Portuguese pronunciation. Uh, like here, Fernando Mereles and Katia yeah. Lund. All right. That would have been my guess. That's exactly how Nailed I would have said it. Yeah. So, yeah. You, <laughs> <laughs> um, and the first thing I'll note about this is I think it's kind of fun that this movie is co-directed by a man and a woman. I think it's a a nice little serendipitous bridge from our last round in which we explored movies made by female directors. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's kind of a cool little bridge. Um, and the second thing I'll note is that this movie happens to be one of my favorites of all time. I discovered it through the Podfather, valued clubhouse member, also an Adam. His name's Adam Palcher, and he has um, it's now called Deep Dive Film School, but 
Uh, back in the day, they had a different podcast called A Damn Movie Podcast, and they covered City of God on that. And I knew it was coming up and I knew I had to watch it. So I went in completely blind. I had no expectations. Um, I had no idea what the movie was about. And uh, Adam, you mentioned earlier that you don't use the phrase um, blown away lightly, but I was legitimately blown away by this movie um, from the po- from from the moment I saw this until this day. Whenever someone asks me what my favorite movies are, I instantly think of The Big Lebowski and City of God. And in fact, those two movies are cemented firmly on my uh, letterboxed top four. Nice. <laughs> um, and if you haven't seen this movie yet, if you haven't seen City of God, please, by all means, turn off this episode and go watch it before you come listen. Because I, I, I just really want everyone to have the same sort of experience that I had with it. In fact, this might also be an answer to the question I asked you in the clubhouse segment, Adam. I might choose this to see again for the very first time. So go back, watch the movie. When you're done, we'll be here waiting for you. We'll be on YouTube or Good Pods or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. From this point on, I'm going to assume that everyone listening or watching has seen the film. So I think we're going to dive in and actually talk about the thing. Um, and uh, I'll start with the synopsis from IMDb. It says, in the slums of Rio, two kids' paths diverge as one struggles to become a photographer and the other a kingpin. And this is becoming sort of a theme when we read the synopsis is here because there's there's a lot going on in this movie <laughs> and we get one line of a synopsis but at the same time uh that's exactly what the movie is adam why don't you tell us your personal experience with the film like when did you first see it what did you think um likes dislikes uh that that sort of thing so i i have to imagine i saw this because i know i'd seen it once before I, this, i'd only ever seen it once before viewing it for the podcast and. I well, I know I would not have seen this in theaters. I was a um I was in the the midst of my, you know, wannabe cinephile high school film snobbery phase, right? And I'm sure when the Academy Award nominations came out, uh, I saw this. And as soon as it was available to rent at a uh my local my local video store, you know, rest in peace video stores, um <laughs> uh I went and rented it and I I I I remember feeling like it was shot really well i liked the style of it but it it didn't make that i had no blown away impact with it and i had i know i have not it's been you know 19 years at least since i've since i've seen it and then upon rewatching it i'll I'll save my initial thoughts but i clearly was just too young not Mm. not to not to get it but to for certain storylines and and character relationships to really land um and this time around I was way more affected by this movie. Oh, so did you, so this for this podcast is your second time watching the movie. Yes. Oh, that's red. Yeah. So this is actually like, I think my third time watching it, but it's my first time in quite a while. And I think it's interesting. You say that you were too young to fully get it because now, I mean, I essentially what I'm about to say is I think I agree with you, but I was like far more affected by it this time in a way that like, it was almost hard to watch at some points. Like this is a tough, this is a tough movie at points. And when I was younger, that, that didn't, I guess I was a cold, heartless teenager. (laughs) I guess I didn't care. Or I don't think I was a teenager, but still as an old man with gray in my beard, which by the way, Ben, that should be a thing for me. Every time I mention (laughs) the gray in my beard, anyways, it just, there were certain parts of this movie that were, uh, that really hit me differently than it did when I was younger. Um, I still love it. It's still in my favorites, but it, 
it sits different with me now. Um, so I think I agree with you there, but maybe in sort of a different way. Benjamin, our re- our resident Brazilian Portuguese expert. Yeah. What? What? So I actually don't know, and you think I would know this about you, but what is your experience with this movie? Man, I don't remember the first time I watched it, but I I remember it really hitting me hard and getting lost in the is this a documentary or is this like narrative? Because mm-hmm. like the style of it and probably just my like naivete at the time, I was like, I can't tell like what's going on here. Cause like there are some scenes like when that kid gets shot in the foot, someone did something to that kid to make him cry like that. Cause I don't like, I don't <laughs> know a five-year-old that can like cry like that. That's I think that mm. that's always the scene I think of. And that's like, when I was watching, I was like, yeah. wait, is this real? Like I, I couldn't tell. Uh, yeah, this movie just, just hit so hard. Um, it is stuck with me. This is, I mean, maybe like the fourth time I, I've seen it, like I haven't seen it a ton, but I've seen it, you know, enough. Um, and I just, I think it's great. It had made me never, want to go to Rio like without a doubt Um, (laughs) and I actually like I I lived in Brazil in 2002 like when this came out fun fact not I don't know if it's fun but like my flight down to Brazil was on September 11 2002 on the one year anniversary and it's like oh that's great cool I'm gonna be on a super big plane with a lot of gas (laughs) on the one year anniversary this is gonna be fine Um, yeah so I, I lived down there so obviously like I hadn't seen this before like I had lived in Brazil but it was crazy, like when I was down there and I would talk to people like who were from Rio or, you know, who had to go like like I, I was there on like a church, like missionary thing. I had people that had gone known people that went to Rio and they were just like, I'd never want to go back like that place is sketchy as shit. Like I never want to do that again. <laughs> and then watching this movie is like, oh, OK, yes. Like if this is what it is, like that's crazy. <laughs> And I remember I was like taking some Portuguese classes in college when they announced that Rio was getting like the Olympics and the World Cup. I was like, what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> like, that is not <laughs> a place you want to send tourists. Like, right? a horrible idea to send just like rich white people there. Like, I don't know what's going on. And this movie is just like what I would show anybody who was like thinking like, yeah, I really want to go. It's like, there's beautiful parts. I love Brazil so much, but. I don't even know that I would ever want to go there. And a lot of it's just because of this movie. Like it's, it's rooted in, I mean, it's based on a real story. Like this kind of stuff happens, but I I love it. I love the way it was shot. It was fun to revisit. I think this is the first time that I recognize seal George in it. Um, where mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, that's the dude from life. Like at first, like, oh, like it looks like a lot like seal George from life aquatic, you know? And then I looked, I was like, Oh, that's actually him. That's cool. So I'm sure we'll talk about him later. So I think he did great. Uh, all these kids were just like so convincing and I don't know it, it was a really I'm glad that we watched this it was fun to kind of revisit and just get a, a refresher on the movie because it's something where it's like I know that I love it but if someone asked me for details I couldn't explain it but now I think I you know know it a little bit better and it was yeah it was good I hope people watch this totally there yeah there was a lot of stuff that I was like oh I forgot that happened like I actually forgot about the kid being shot in the foot. Mm-hmm. Um, once once it happened, I was like, oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. This movie goes those places. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there I, I rediscovered a lot of stuff. Matthew, I want to hear your personal experience with this movie because you spent some time in South America too, right? Or Central America, South America? Yeah, yeah, Central America, Guatemala. Um, okay, that's right. And and it was, yeah, very similar. Um, Guatemala's a violent country, has very poor areas. And 
they don't have censorship on in their media. So a lot mm. of those images that they're taking at the end was like stuff that you'd see on the front page of papers. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. And and you'd hear all that kind of stuff at night, too. And you'd hear friends lose, you know, their buddies just, you know, what one night they have them with them and another night they don't. And so it's. Yeah, it is pretty crazy um, watching it through that lens, um, having been around, you know, areas like that. But uh, as, as everyone knows, I'm I'm the prude of the pod, uh, the, the pod prude. Every pod has one. I'm I'm, the, I'm this one's. And uh, it was it's Tyler. It's interesting to me that we've had three unsung gem rounds. And so far, all th- you're three for three for picking like more disturbing, edgy. <laughs> no, I am <laughs> edgy. Picks. That was my that was my thing when I was younger. And I still well, like that, that stuff. Well, but it, it sits with me way differently now. Well, I feel like I feel like in in like our teenage years we're exposed to things that we think are like edgy and cool and like it makes us feel like yeah for whatever reason like smug and hard and all that um and then you grow up and it's like you still love that stuff because there there are memories and feelings attached to it but like it does hit way different um what was your second one i remember you had rules of attraction what was the other one rules of attraction animal kingdom and yeah 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 nice but uh i really liked I, I like seeing the cultural impact of of uh, d- directors. Mm. So like you see a lot um, in Bong Joon-ho's movies where it's like, yeah, they've, they've probably been inspired by American cinema, but there is something and you might, you know, you can't really put your finger on it, but they are being inspired by something because it feels a little bit different. There is something else in the mix. There's something in the, in the, uh, there's an, there's another ingredient in there. What I really, really liked about this was some of the choices they made with like the typography when they're breaking up chapters, like the way they're putting it on the, on the shot um, that I thought was like super cool. And honestly, the story was just like super awesome. Mm -hmm. The way that they introduced and followed the storylines of so many different characters and kept you sort of in the loop on where they're at and what they're doing and how they end and all that. And it's like, Oh, that's, that's what happened to carrot. (laughs) That's what happened to goose. Right. Yeah. Oh no. Steak. You know, (laughs) right. I didn't actually put this together until just now, but it's almost put together as if it were like a photojournalist's piece. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it it, it, since I mean, it's Rocket telling the story. But I like when you mentioned the typography and the way they introduce stuff and set things up, it really does. It really does have a very documentary feel to it. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that later. And I'm sure because I put this outline together, Um, I want to talk. I want to get into our elevator pitch. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Because I feel like this movie, you could almost just throw a dart at the storyboard of the movie and just start from anywhere and you could hook someone in. Um, But I'm really curious to see what people pick for their elevator pitch. Uh, Adam, for this segment, we we try to pick scenes from the movie that would convince someone to watch the movie. We'll pretend we're we have two minutes in an elevator. and We're going to pull up a scene on YouTube. And we're going to show them that one scene or moment to try to convince them to watch the movie, because the whole point of this podcast and the whole point of this movie club is to get people to see new stuff that they wouldn't have normally seen. So in this pretend situation that you're put in, what scene are you going to show someone? Uh, can I can I get more than two minutes? Can I get four? Do you it. Get, well, you can yep. have, yeah, that's totally fine. I can get four. OK, uh, then I, I literally would recommend the first four minutes of this movie. Totally. Nice. Yeah. That's one thing I was going to say is this is certainly a movie where you could just show them the start of the movie and they'd probably mm-hmm. be hooked. The editing, the cinematography, and then the way that the score is mixed in with the sounds of the city. Totally. 
it's it's immaculate. And then you get all of these really, I mean, I the editing is already on on display like throughout this, but like the way in which we're just we are just thrown into this world and it mm-hmm. feels chaotic and it feels rushed and it's 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 a bombardment and it's like this is how you're going to feel throughout this entire movie. And, um, totally. I, when we, when we, when we, you know, when we do that 360 shot and we're now back into the 60s, I was like, well, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I'm here. Yeah. There is, there's a funny scene from an episode of Rick and Morty where they are in a lighthouse and the lighthouse keeper reads a screenplay to Morty. And he Morty gets mad at him because they do like a, a he does like a jump back, like a cutback, like, ooh, let's go back. To, and he's like, why? Can't, why can't we just start movies where they start and not when they get good? Do you have any thoughts? Notes? No, I, I just enjoyed it. That's my note. You know, please write more. Seems a little insincere. What? No, you don't have to mollycoddle me. I want to improve my writing. Tell me your real thoughts. All right. Well, um, I'm not a huge fan personally of the whole three weeks earlier teaser thing. I feel like, you know, we should start our stories where they begin, not start them where they get interested. And I think that line's hilarious, but I don't think it applies to this movie because like you said, it's so perfectly done and you're you're hooked. Yeah. From the second you from the second you see him staring down who you find out later is little Zay. And well, it's it's interesting because you I, I, I don't know why I keep bringing this back up, maybe because it was mentioned earlier, but like you think about Mission Impossible three and we start with. We start with the countdown. Yeah. And now that's a major nit to pick because I think that movie takes a cheap way at starting somewhere into the future and then going back. Mm-hmm. But it, but thinking about this as like a semi autobiographical possible like news story, like trying to rem- remember how we remember a story, mm-hmm. we remember it in bits and pieces and we tell mm-hmm. chunks totally. at a time. And I think it's not an excuse for this movie to start that way. I think it's, I think it's a great way. It's like how you would hook a reader in the first, in the first paragraph. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's really important. And for a lot of the reasons you said, because it totally sets the tone. Like we don't get any of the insane violence that we're going to get. We get hints at it with, you know, the chicken, you know, about to being be killed and whatnot and the way that they chase him. So, you know, you guys know I love to try and say big words. I don't really know what Let's they mean, do it. but I, my brain failed me in that moment. I couldn't think of one. <laughs> but just the way they're chasing the the chicken and and the like the the showdown between little Jay and his gang mm-hmm. and the cops, like you really do get a sense for what you're into, and it's intense. It's like your your heart gets beating, and it's it shows you the style that's going to be filmed in. So I, I think it's a, I mean it's probably the right answer, but there's just so many good scenes to talk about in this movie. Yeah. That um. Yeah, I want to I want to hear more. And Matthew, I want to specifically want to hear yours right now. Mine's got to be the the DJ party with the strobe light when Benny gets killed. Oh, man. Yeah. Just like all all the 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 shots and the the conflicting emotions, like the people partying. And then you have Lil Zay that's just like brooding Mm -hmm. and like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's similar, similar energy to the uh, on Strangers on a Train. The, the mm. guy sitting in the stands where like totally. everyone's looking back and forth and he's just like staring. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt about Zay when he's just like hyper focused on like killing somebody or like <laughs> messing yeah. something up. Oh. Well, and, and the thing I liked about that scene is it's like it shows little Zay as like truly vulnerable. It's like the only time we see him lose, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. well, you know, spoiler alert, he loses <laughs> in the end. But like that's one of the first time he shows like some weakness like someone gets the better of it yeah. and i thought it was a really really cool moment and 
it kind of that scene in particular and just being in that club in the dark and just knowing how this story is going. Like, you know, something bad's going to be happening. It's just it's just that tension. Like, you feel like you're looking around your shoulder. It feels like you're in that club, Mm -hmm. like checking your checking your six. You know what I mean? Because you just you're just waiting for a gunshot to ring out the entire time. You're praying that Lil Zay doesn't see you having a good time. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I think the pressure there or the stress there, too, because like even having seen it, I'm still like, wait, is Lil Z going to shoot him or, you know, like over the camera? Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's the tension they're building up. And. I don't know, like the I forget what that is a stake that shoots him or I forget who it is it's exactly. Uh, it's Blackie. Oh yeah, Blackie. It's Blackie. And yeah. I, I like that he goes to Carrot and he's like, I accidentally shot Benny. He's like, you shot the nicest hood, like in <laughs> the city of God. He's like, you killed the cool guy. Help you. He's like, yeah, yeah. And he just like shoots him right there. It's like, yeah, and that's what that scene did so well. It's like we got to see Benny like interacting with all these people, like like the religious people, like the, like all that kind of stuff. Like, Oh yeah. The, everybody loves this guy. And like, they're happy for him yeah. that he's getting out. The only person who isn't is just like selfishly sad that he's leaving him because they've been friends forever. So I, I, I love that scene. That scene was, and also, I, I love seeing, uh, uh rocket up in the dj booth just like dancing the whole time too mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah and seeing yeah. like little z get like rejected by the girl because i think it's also that's totally. the very first time we see him lose anything i think is like right. there and he's like what and just what that all turns into but i, I love that and they, scene. they made some smart decisions with the music because i remember i, I noted that we get we get james brown like why mm-hmm. does we hard cut to it and then we get we get kung fu fighting and like they could have just played random but like the the music that they're playing in the background is so recognizable and like you can't help but smile a little bit that even mm-hmm. during like even while <laughs> it's building it's like you know yeah you know some shit's gonna go down but it's also like well shit but we're listening to kung fu fighting so yeah, like, exactly. right. we're gonna yeah. be okay right yeah i mean it's even- one of the moments of levity like it's one of the moments you can you can't really breathe but you're like well at least we're dancing like at least like <laughs> Well, even when uh, Lil Z is making, uh, I forget Sil George's name, uh, uh, Mane, or whatever. Knock, yeah. knock out Ned. When they're when he's making him strip, and like there's there's like one part of the dance floor where there's like a lot of tension going on, but then we cut to Benny and the rest of the people. Like they have no idea. Like everyone's so into the moment, stuff like that. It's like it, it's I don't know that music really uh, had an influence. I, I loved that scene quite a bit. Uh, the one I was gonna go with is Rocket, and it's actually the first time that we meet Seal George. Is the whole like. All right, well, then I'm going to like rob people so I can buy my camera. And then we just have like back to back to back failures of him trying to like be a hood. <laughs> you know, he's like, I'm going to stick him up and I'm going to take all the bus money. And then he's like, wait, doesn't that guy know us? And he's like super cool to them, you know, <laughs> and then he gets like the waitress's phone number and stuff. It's just like I thought it was cool to see that, like, this is our one like really pure protagonist. And like we see that he can't even if, when he wants to be corrupt or be a hood he still just like kind of has like a, a pure heart. And he's like, I can't do that. Like these people are super nice. You know, it's like they're being polite to me. I love that he's, and he's, he's got such a, a, a very teenage male point of view of like, I just want to get laid. Yeah. And then when he, when he gets the number, he ends up using it as rolling paper. And it's like, dude, right. you are, you're, you're, you're cock blocking yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you blew it, man. Like, yeah. So I, I no, love that whole it. scene. Yes, he smoked it. Uh, <laughs> I just thought it was great. I thought we really got to know who who Rocket was in that little sequence there. So that's what I go with. Well, that was my pick, but oh. I came I came with a backup, and I picked. Well, I was going to pick that scene for the the exact same reasons you said, and and in, and in some ways it was like 
how we were talking about in the in the club scene, like you can kind of breathe a little bit. But to me, I felt like the scene you just described is is another instance where you can kind of relax because you sort of know that Rocket's not going to do shit. Like, you know, he's not going to do anything. He doesn't want this life. He just he just doesn't know what else to do. Right. It's like the unfortunate circumstance of where he lives and the, the world he's in. Like, he doesn't know any other way. What else is he supposed to do? Right. The only people he sees succeeding are sticking people up with guns. But we know or we hope anyways that he's not going to do it. And we're rewarded in the end. And he just gets high and, <laughs> you know, blows smokes his chance with that girl away. Um, and it really lets us know who Rocket is. And so the scene that I'll pick as my backup is in another in this in the same way of getting to know the character is when Benny chases Tiago with the bike and has him go shopping and he turns him into a playboy because that was a moment when I was watching it. Cause I couldn't really, really remember what happened. I was like, Oh, he's going to kill this dude. Like he's just going to, they're going to race. Yeah. He's going to just shoot this guy in the streets and you know, and he doesn't do that. And it, it's like a really kind of sweet scene. And then, you know, it turns Benny into who he ends up becoming and what ultimately ends up being his demise. But I think it's a really cool way to get to know Benny. And it was just kind of a fun, fun little moment in the movie. Mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, the urgency with which he rides off is like worrying, you know, like, oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> something bad's going to happen. Yeah. But yeah, totally. Adam looked like you were going to jump in there, but I, I kept rambling on. No, no, no. I It's it's so funny. I it, it, Yeah, I'd been it's been so long since I've seen this movie. I didn't know where that was going to go either. But when they stopped riding bikes, I my mind actually went to, oh, is does does Benny have a thing for Tiago mm. and oh, I thought because he kept getting so close and instead of like they were measuring like back to back and it, it was yeah. really it was kind of flirty and I was like oh shit is and is this a thing too where like Benny is like closeted because of the world that he lives mm. in and and ultimately mm. that doesn't happen and I was like ah well that's that's just way off but it was so <laughs> it was so flirtatious I just was like oh what a what another interesting wrench to throw in here that you know Mm. Benny's nice, but he's also hiding this part of himself, which, you know, it's 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 a yeah. it's a plot that doesn't exist. <laughs> but, I, you know, my mind went down that path for a while. Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, one of the reasons I like watching these types of movies and especially foreign films, and we talked about it when we uh, watched Kurosawa movies, we watched three of them. One of the things that I ran into watching those movies is I was wondering if some like cultural differences were getting lost in translation. And I'm talking specifically about in Seven Samurai. I don't know if Matt and Ben remember this, but. There was parts of that movie where I was like, I don't feel like I totally understand the Mm. intent here or what's going on, because I just wasn't sure if there was something about Japanese culture influencing the way that the scene was playing out that I didn't understand. And so I wonder if it's a similar thing here where, like, I know there's a lot of cultures where, like, male intimacy and, like, the way that you show affection to a male friend is just different than it is here. And I wonder if that's one of those instances, because I picked up on that, too, maybe not necessarily to that extent. But I realized like, oh, no, this is like a friendly encounter. Mm. And it seems they, it's, it's like tender and it, and, it, and it was very sweet. And I'm, I don't know, but I wonder if that might be kind of what's what's going on there. I was doing some research for a different segment of this podcast, which we may skip. We'll 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 see later. Um, but apparently uh, the director, well, one of the directors, Fernando Mireles. How do you say that? You nailed it. It's perfect. Sure did. Um, he wanted to cast Fernando, my boy, Fernando. He wanted the cast to consist of people that had never acted before, uh, as well as, you know, some professional actors who were not widely known. All of the amateur actors were actually recruited from the favelas in Rio. Mm. And a couple of them, uh, Rocket, Buscape, 
um, Alexandre Rodriguez. He actually lived in the city of God. And, and I actually had no idea about that until doing the research. And I think that's really cool. I felt like all the performances in this movie were great. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that most of them were amateurs and had never acted before or had very little experience acting. And uh, I'm wondering if you all agree, uh, Adam, I'm specifically interested in your perspective here, knowing that you are an acting instructor. And um, I'm one, I was wondering maybe if, if, if the performances worked because of the direction and because of the style of the film, um, I thought the shaky cam and the quick cuts and some of the dreamy soft focus really worked well here. It gave it that really visceral documentary style that uh, is just really effective in this movie. And it, it just all really worked for me. But I'm curious what you guys thought about that. And Adam, I want to start with you. I believe that uh, pretty much universally, uh, everybody in this movie is is pretty much pitch perfect. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I think there is a lot of the direction and not just the documentary style. But I I, I think a lot about the the end of the movie where um, the camera just lingers and that the little kid loses his shoe and has to run back yeah. and come back for it and then and then takes off again. There's just something about a director not being dictatorial and instead being the quite the opposite, being really collaborative and just being like, I'm going to let the camera roll and, and see yeah. what we get. And there's a lot of when, when you have a director like that, there's a lot of trust given to actors. And so instead of, you know, being told you have to hit a mark and here's what we're going for. Instead, you're just like, you know, the lines, here's the scene, mm-hmm. play it out and we'll see what we get. You know, I know we, we mentioned the scene of that Jesus of that that kid getting shot in the foot, which was like, you know, I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old and it was like, and my, like, it's so funny because right. My four-year-old is just utterly, utterly sick right now. Mm. And like every like hour she, she'll like come down just crying. Like, I don't like being sick. It just tears and snot. And she just, she's just a mess. She doesn't just, and it's just like, she just, she hates it. It sucks. And she's never been shot in the foot, but like (laughs) she, she just is filled with such emotion. And that, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that kid's reaction, that, that whole oh, scene, insane. just, it just like, it, it pulls your heart out and it shows it to you. My one, I don't want to say exception. I think that Lil Zay knows that he's playing kind of a gang leader. Mm-hmm. Um, at times it feels a bit like swaggery, but yeah. not, not character, like, like caricature. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, okay. yeah, I there are times that. where I feel like I don't believe him times, not all the time, times. Okay. Uh, but but other than that, I think everybody is is really great and genuine and nobody is doing in a movie like this. You don't want people to be doing too much. I yeah. think right. for a documentary style ask movie, the subtler, the better. And mm-hmm. I think I think everybody is great. And, and I um, you mentioned the scene with the reporter at her place. I wanted to say I, I didn't uh, when I was doing some research, I, I thought this was nuts. And this is just an idea of a director. Keep keep it rolling. Keep the sound mm-hmm. rolling. That whole audio about him saying he's never had a hot shower was not in the script. Yeah. He was just <laughs> talking to her. It right. was like this that's revelation. So cool. I've never had a hot shower before. Wow. And like, perfect. We're going right. to put that in the movie. Like that's just <laughs> and that's a that's somebody who is just so open to like, wait, we got that on audio. Let's mm-hmm. get that in the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff I read, and I think we'll just jump over. I was going to do a trivia section later, but I think we can just wrap it into this because the moment when they all prayed before they went on to their big mm-hmm. gang war, that was that came from one of the actor's experiences. He's like, hey, are, are we going to do pray before we do this scene like we like we do in real life? And the director is like, 
well, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, and the director let the let the the actor lead the prayer. Adam, when you mentioned uh, little Zay, one scene that I also thought about picking for the elevator pitch is the the hotel stick up or the brothel stick up mm. in the beginning. And Dude, part oh, of it was just because of how terrifying little well, he's little dice at the time. Mm-hmm. That little kid is terrifying. He's the scariest part of the whole movie to me. Mm -hmm. Totally. Did his performance work for you more than 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 grown up Zay? I, I mean that's that sounds terrible, but I mean I think so. Yeah, I mean I (laughs) think. And there's something about about little kid little kids who, you know, if they don't really know that they're acting and they're just you know you just kind of tell them to to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. get to see like their, their true selves come out. And, and I say that as somebody like I've, I've tried to use my oldest daughter when like I audition for like commercial stuff here in mm-hmm. the Seattle area. If it, if it asks for a kid to be in the scene, I'll use her. And the second she knows she's on camera, she's like playing it up, like all big and shit. Nice. But like totally. when we're running it, she nails it. But the second she knows, Oh, I'm being filmed. I'm going to be the star of this thing mm-hmm. now. Um, <laughs> so again, I just think whatever, whatever Fernando last name we can't pronounce did <laughs> with these kids was exactly what needed to be done. There, there was, there had to be some sense of we're just, we're just living our lives. I mean, it's, it's the oldest, you know, acting is living truthfully under imaginary circumstances that mm-hmm. goes back to Stanislavski. It's the birth of realism. And I think that there's just like, put the kids out there and let them do their thing. And it's, it's, I, I mean, I almost feel like it's a disservice to say it all feels genuine because it feels more than genuine. It feels mm-hmm. very real. And I, I, it's a huge credit to everybody involved. And I think that's what led so much, especially to my first watch where I was like, is this real? Is this a documentary? And that just like speaks to mm-hmm. how well the film is made. I understand the situations are different, but when you said, you know, the directors are great. So it's like kind of let the people know, like, here's the scene we're going for. This is kind of the ending point. Just go for it. And now I'm just like, I just want to see Christopher guest direct city of God, you know, cause like, that's like his same exact kind of ways. Like here's what we're reaching for in the scene. This is what we're going to end at. So do whatever you need to do in between here. <laughs> so it's like, Levy would be the guy in the bug at the beginning, to get in the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, exactly. like, I'm glad you said that. I was going to oh, can't recasting. <laughs> how would, how would Christopher guest, cast this and who would play oh, man. i don't know if we can do it on the spot I love, all i can think of is him as like corky and waiting for guffman just trying to direct the city of god musical or something like that like oh i would love that you know he can just do everything there is to do and there's only one other person in the world that can do that and that's barbara streisand but uh, yeah very different styles but all i could i couldn't get that out of my head it's like man i just want to see that so bad um no i thought it was great i think it's um it can kind of be hit or miss as far as using i guess like you know, new actors or just, you know, real people. The first thing I thought of was kids from Harmony Corinne. I mean, totally. and we had like, you know, Rosario Dawson, shout out Crushmore, uh, Chloe Savigny, like all that, like they came out of there, which was great. And I think more recently we saw with, um, I think Chloe Zhao does it a lot. And we saw that in Nomadland where it's just like, it was Francis McDormand. I forget the other dude's name, but then like everyone else was just like an actual no band. It was kind of cool to see how that worked. Um, but she had a, a film that I haven't seen in, in a while um, before that called The Writer. And that was all just real people just kind of like reenacting a story that actually happened. And I think, you know, again, I can kind of e- either be hit or miss, but I think for City of God, it just like it was all hit for me. Like, I, I agree with Adam's point, like little Z, I think there was a point where he's like, I am the bad guy. Like, I'm the antagonist. I'm going to play it up like I'm going to get my moment, whatever, which I think also 
kind of worked for the character because he really was like a cocky douchebag you yeah, know he and he's like yeah he had like 80 percent of the favela and so he's like this is my town whatever um but there was definitely parts you know where he was definitely acting it up but man it felt it felt so genuine uh watching this like especially even having lived there there's one part um of my life when i was there that always sticks out to me is i was with a, a brazilian we were walking around and these cops drove around and there was like four of them in the car together just driving around and i asked my friend i was like so what do they do when they arrest people he's like they don't arrest people he's like they're just like here to get payoffs like they're just like driving around to get money it's like prop cops okay got it okay it's like i didn't really think about that you know like they're not really terrifying yeah exactly it's like they're not here to like arrest anyone they're just like you're either dead or you're gonna get paid off kind of thing like oh cool okay that's where i I live now got it that makes sense so (laughs) yeah um yeah i mean just to and that kind of speaks again i think to the trivia i was going to mention that they wouldn't even film this in rio because it was too dangerous i think that just speaks to how fucking crazy it is there (laughs) like so yeah i i really i really enjoyed it i think it worked perfectly in this um and yeah i think everyone just did such a good job i was surprised to see that this was you know knockout ned seal george like first performance because that's honestly what held me up on being convinced that it was him in the bus because like his reaction when like the lady goes through the turnstile and stuff like that's like oh whoever this is like decent like that's like a pretty good response or whatever then to find it was actually him like he he did a really good job so i think i think it worked perfectly in here matt as our resident uh shaky cam critic what did, <laughs> what did, how did this all work for you like okay you know, on the scale from <laughs> Not shaky to very shaky. <laughs> this was pretty shaky. Yes, um, pretty shaky. No, I mean official review. Pretty yeah, shaky. It's, it's pretty shaky. The thing is, like shaky cam, I feel like is just abused now. Like you see it in so much, it feels kind of lazy by a lot of directors. But like when it's a choice and it's deliberate and it's cut in there for the right reasons to mm-hmm. raise like the right kind of tension, I'm all about the shaky cam. Uh, but my biggest critique of it is when you're sitting through like a big blockbuster and it's like, why didn't they plan the shot? Why is, why are they just, you know, shaking it around and yeah. making me disoriented right now for no reason, but no, the shaky cam right. is a two, two thumbs up on the shaky cam for this movie. Two unsteady yeah, thumbs. In this movie, especially you don't lose anything with the shaky cam. All it does is add, like you still see everything. I feel like one of the big complaints and you just described it is like, you have all these cuts and shaky cam and you don't actually know what's happening. You can't really tell. You just know that like the bad guys are winning or the good guys are winning. That's all you can really tell. Mm-hmm. But here, like you see exactly what happens. Um, so I think it works. Any performances that didn't work for you or, or did they also get two thumbs up from you? Yeah. I mean, the, just to, I guess, echo what everyone else said, I feel like the, the amateur actors, I feel like it, they were directed in a way where it was subtle enough where you wouldn't really notice and it just worked in its favor mm. kind of kind of felt more like the documentary style. So yeah, I would just echo everything that's already been said. Well, that's going to lead us really nicely into the Apollonia award. Uh, Adam, this is a segment that I came up with after watching purple rain. Cause I felt like uh, despite it being a Prince movie and despite how much I love Prince and how much the music was incredible and everything for whatever reason, I thought Apollonia stole the show. And for whatever reason, I felt like she was the one that kind of like the the bigger pop culture reference from the movie itself, not bigger than Prince, but just from the movie itself. Mm -hmm. I felt like Apollonia transcended there. 
And so we try to pick a supporting character that you felt kind of stole the show or, or had, had your favorite supporting performance. Um, for this round, though, I'm going to open it up to everyone uh, because why not? I don't know. Everyone did such a good job and it just give us an opportunity to talk about everyone. And uh, I'm actually going to start with Matt here because he was just talking about performances. So who wins your Apollonia here, buddy? Hmm. Pressure's on. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a curveball. It I don't normally do that. We usually go to the guest first, but I probably got to go. I mean, I got to go with knockout Ned. I thought he was introduced somewhat later in the in the movie mm-hmm. and then ends up playing a major role throughout the rest of it. And every scene that he's in is super cool. And even like just just his character backstory, the, the tidbits that you get about his backstory kind of make you feel like you've known him for a long time mm-hmm. and that he's like a much more main character than he is. I mean, he is a main character, but just as much as the other ones. And that's kind of what the Apollonia word feels like. It's like, right. This person feels like the main character. Mm, and that's, yeah. that's a knockout net is for me. Well, and one thing I really liked about his character is, I mean, we know he's military trained and we know he's a sniper and he's a really good shot. So he's really dangerous and effective in a gang war, but he also like his notoriety. I felt like was unearned in some ways. Like I felt like, the the rumor mill did a did a lot for him right because yeah he took out he 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 did take little zay by surprise but frankly that's not that difficult to do these guys aren't paying attention and and he's not little zay is not doesn't have lookouts everywhere because he feels invincible so to me i was like oh like knockout ned is really riding his reputation here and i thought that was really cool like he he his reputation was bigger than his actual self uh which helped him rise to be where he was. I think it's a great pick. And I actually, I, I was like, who is this guy? I knew I knew I'd seen him before, so I didn't know it was Sue George until uh, reading the trivia. And I thought that was awesome. He's one of my favorite movies is Life Aquatic, and he's one of my favorite parts of it. But yeah, um, Adam, I'm going to take it back to our guests now, since I so rudely went to one of our own first. Apologize. <laughs> no, no, no quite all right. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I uh, I would love to give. I want to give like a like a fun answer and and say that it it's the um it's the neighbor of Shorty and his wife who is giving her all the great sexual advice. Oh, that's a good um, one. Because mm-hmm. she is nailing it and giving some great pointers. But <laughs> um, instead, I'll be I'll I'll be serious. And we've mentioned him a few times. Uh, I I would give it to Benny. I think yeah. I, he's great. He rides both worlds. You both, you know, you don't agree with his choices, but he's also so nice. And, and I think, um, as Ben mentioned earlier, the scene at the club, right, where he's, you know, we realize he's friends with everybody, mm-hmm. you know, everybody like Benny. Yeah. And that included me. I loved watching Benny in the movie. And totally. it's like you, you it's like I kind of I kind of was mad at him because he stole. He stole the girl from Rocket. But it's also like, right. oh, but shoot, it's Benny. Everybody yeah. seems yeah, OK yeah, with Benny's it. Awesome. He's OK. Yeah. That's kind of how Rocket felt about it too. It's yeah. like, oh yeah, there they are. <laughs> and They're you know, and now. he's trying. And I think, I think what what really what really kind of capped it off, and like I think who he was at heart. I mean, the the kind of person that you you the kind of good person that you can be in a world like this is that he tried to get that camera to Rocket. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's that's amazing. Like mm-hmm. like I I don't know if any of my best friends would do something so <laughs> great for me. Like that's it was such a great. 
um, gesture made in the movie. And it, it went a long way for me. And I, th- I thought he was great. Especially at totally. like their own going away party. It's like, hey, I'm leaving. I got you a gift. I'm like, oh, all right, cool. Thanks. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's a great pick. Uh, I'm just going to hop in because he was my pick, too. And it's not just because we share names, um, but all those same mm. reasons. Like he is Mr. Steal Your Girl. And then you're like, that's OK. It's Benny. I like him. <laughs> it's Benny. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah, no cool. worries. It's cool totally fine. Bella, so it's fine. Yeah, I just feel like he had like maybe the most dimension out of anyone in this movie. Like the fact that he was like the one person I think Lil Zay trusted um, and that could like talk him down, you know, was spoke a lot to who he is as the character. So I, I really enjoy that. I like to see him as a little kid, too. But the adult Benny was just uh, he was great. It's everything Adam already said, just that whole going away party where everyone likes him, like everyone's stoked. Um, yeah. And happy that he's going to go like live a life just farming and smoking weed and listening to rock and roll. I mean, what more can you ask for? It's like, cool, Benny did it. Up. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I, I thought he he was probably my favorite part of this whole thing. So he definitely gave my Apollonia. One thing I forgot about that uh, club scene and also the what's in the stew. There was a lot of the wire in this. And I know the wire came after this. And so you might say that this is in the wires stew. But there's a scene in I don't remember what season it is, but where uh, both gangs come together and they have a basketball game, like a charity basketball mm-hmm. game for the hood. And that's really what this club scene reminded me of is like just the the ever present danger of all these people, like setting their differences aside to play basketball. But just knowing it could just go up in, in flames at any moment. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's, it's very West Side Story, right? Totally. Yeah, mm-hmm. true. Totally. I guess it all goes back to yeah, Romeo and Juliet. Romeo like, and Juliet. Yeah. <laughs> it always goes back to Shakespeare. Classic. Um, so I, I want to give some love to rocket. I'm a photographer, so I really identify with his character. Um, and I can't even imagine what it would be like to want to be able to do that so badly and have no access to it. Like for, for, for us now, and even for most of my life growing up, I had access to any camera I wanted, you know, my, mm. my family had cameras, my friends had cameras and now my phone has it. And that's part of the reason I don't really do it for work anymore is because it's just too readily available. But to be in Rocket's shoes and to have it be something that just means so much to you and and to like literally be risking your life to be able to try and do it uh, is is just beautiful and something I I mean, I can't personally identify with, but I can understand and I, I empathize. I don't know what that would be like, but my actual pick is going to be Baby Dice, Baby Zay. That kid is terrifying and he's the thing I remembered, one of the things I remembered from the very first times I watched it and it sticks out now. He's only he's only in the movie for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, if that 10 minutes, maybe he makes an impact when he mm-hmm. makes an impact in that <clears throat> that uh, hotel stick up, which maybe I'll go back in time and re redo my uh, elevator pitch and do the <laughs> hotel stick up because I mean, that scene is just insane. And you can just tell that this kid is for lack of a better word, I hate to say evil because I do feel like most of all of these people are a victim of their circumstance, but like this little baby, baby Zay has a little something extra going on, oh, yeah. on, the, on the evil side that it's just, it's a little, it's a lot. And that kid plays it very effectively for me. So I think I would have to pick him, but I do want to shout out rocket because he's so near and dear to my heart. And we get the flashback where he's outside the brothel and he's like, all those guys are having fun without me. It's like, I'm just going to shoot this window. So they leave and now I can go in. It's just totally. like, and just like the smile after he just like unloads on this couple. Like that's why for me, he's the scariest person in this whole yeah. movie. Like 
I'd rather try to like, you know, rationalize with Lil Z as an adult because I totally. feel like Lil Dice, you're just like, it's done. There's no, you can't talk to this person. And I feel like he is the personification of this town and this circumstance everyone's in because yeah anything could happen at any time and that's how you feel watching this movie i felt like at any moment a gunshot was going to ring out and someone was going to get shot like no matter where we were in the movie Mm -hmm. and i feel like that character specifically the the baby version of it it, like personifies that completely yeah i think we should head off to our uh our drive-in double uh, drive-in double feature sponsored by good friend of the pod adam driver I just had sex. I'm about to eat nachos. It's the greatest moment of my life. Um, he likes to know if we were going to play this movie at his drive-in, what movie would we pair it with? And which, uh, which one would go first? What's the order you'd play it in? Uh, Adam, we're going to start with you here. So, you know, one thing we, you know, in terms of describing this movie, we've referenced, you know, a lot of the, the violence and the, the, the fact that it was kind of, you know, it's, based on a true story but it's also it's a coming of age story mm-hmm. and yeah. um and so i decided i tried to go f- foreign and coming of age and i went with uh, a movie that didn't make my rush more so i figured i could, I could bring it up here nice. uh which is uh what an early film from alfonso cuaron it's etu mama tambe oh man oh um, that's been on my list for a long time so good yeah. And so I would uh, you would you have to start with City of God because you'd I think ending on this movie is a little bit better. And it's <laughs> it's it's about these two friends who basically there's a, a, a girl who a, an older lady who they basically go on a road trip with. And mm-hmm. they both they're both they're both young men. They both have rockets aspirations of basically just getting laid. And it's a movie, again, where not a crazy amount happens. They just they're, they're on the road and they sort of discover themselves and their sexuality. and it. It it certainly made stars out of Gail Garcia Bernal and Diego Luna, and it put it's uh, you know what happened to Christopher Nolan happened with Alfonso Cuarón. He mm-hmm. made a bunch of really great independent, low budget movies, and then they gave him all the money, and then he made all these other things that I don't care that much about. Um, but uh, <laughs> but but this movie is so it's so great, it's so fun, it's it's sexual, but it's sad, and and the the friendship between the two is great, and. You know, sticking with coming of age, sticking with foreign. I'm gonna, st- I'm gonna go with Etumama Tamayan. That's a great, great choice. Which I think, which I think, I think translates to and your mother too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Which and Matt is gonna tell you, tell Angie Diego Luna is in this, so she might want to. Oh, check say it no out, more. So we're good to go. <laughs> say no more. I mean, that, that was me with the. Uh, I I watched this one after watching Motorcycle Diaries because I fell in love with mm. Gail Garcia Bernal, and I was like, oh, I want to see what else this guy's done. And yeah, this I one love is motorcycle great. Diaries. I, I had no idea, obviously, who Alfonso Cuaron was. Like, I don't. I'm curious what the next movie of his was that I watched. But yeah, that's a, a wonderful suggestion. I'm gonna be surprised, I guess, if any of us pick City of God second because that's a, what a note to go out on. So I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm playing City of God first for mine, uh, and I am going the opposite of four, and I'm bringing it back home, going very local, something that actually filmed in Utah, and we're just gonna hang out at the Sandlot. We're just really gonna have a good palate cleanser here some other kids that get into a little bit of trouble like no one's getting shot or anything like that around the neighborhood (laughs) yeah no not slc punk we're going even (laughs) even further back um just like super friendly and just like let's let's go out on a high note here 
yeah a little bit of local feuding going on yeah exactly <laughs> you get windy peppercorn you get a friendly baseball like, yeah, war that's, yeah that's the only conflict we need is whether or not squints should have kissed windy peppercorn we don't need like five-year-olds to get shot in the foot so and the, there's a benny in both in both movies a couple of bennies yeah both oh, yeah. yeah it's like you're reading my notes look at that um yeah, yeah so i know i think that's a that's what i would go with i think sandlot would be just fun to watch after this of like kids that are you know grouped up together but for a good cause and not to take over a favela so i think it's important for the listeners to know just for my sake ben didn't write that in the notes on our sheet i'm not just stealing from oh yeah, yeah no i'm just joking is it my, <laughs> my, my own yeah, yes he did notes. i can read it right there <laughs> come on man <laughs> um mine would be so I would, I would show City of God first, and then I would take it back here, and then I would I would take it to probably what Americans perceive is the City of God of the United States, which is near Compton. I guess Compton would be where they would perceive it is. But Riverside, we'll take it to Riverside. I'm showing Juice, starring Tupac Shakur. Nice. That was the first movie where like like there's these teenagers, and you you see one kill another teenager you're like wait a second mm-hmm. and then they go to school the next day and like they have to like keep it secret and then like at the end like the main character q like he has to you know become the top dog you know he's got to protect himself protect the people that he loves and then he's got the juice and so yeah. uh th- this movie reminded me of that movie so that's what i'm showing and you're going by... city of god first right you said city of god first and then we're we're finished up with juice Gotcha. And Ernest Dickerson directed it, who did, I think, all the Spike Lee movies. He was a cinematographer on all those. So mm. I think that's a great choice. That always just makes me think of the Chappelle skit, though, for Samuel Jackson, the beer. Like, ain't you ever seen my movies? Juice. That was a good one. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> Can you stop yelling at me, please? No, I can't stop yelling because that's how I talk. You ain't never seen my movies. Juice. That was a good one. Deep Blue Sea. They ate me. A fucking shark ate me. Great bitch. Well, in keeping on theme here, um, I think that's a fantastic pit mat, pick, Matt. I haven't seen that in so, so long. It's been a long time for me as well. Um, there was like a. It you know, just was... came out on 4K. Did it really? Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Nice. yeah. I just just picked it up. It's it's good. It looks good. Awesome. That was I watched that in like the the phase of like watching stuff you're not supposed to time in life. You know oh, I mean? yeah. That's pretty young. Exactly. I don't really remember it that well. Um, but keeping on theme here, I'm going to show city of God first. Uh, and I'm going to show a movie I mentioned earlier in the what's in the stew segment. Uh, I'm going to follow it up with Goodfellas. We're just going to stick with the cool. gangster narrated theme, the, uh, the, the gangster epic. And, uh, we're going to go straight into Scorsese. It's hard for me to decide which is the better movie here. Cause they're both so great. I just have yeah. such a personal love of city of God. Um, but we'll show city of God first. And I think Goodfellas is like, a little more fun at least so we can mm-hmm. kind of end the night on a high note uh but we're sticking with the gangster theme for my drive-in nice. uh, so we've got two two heartwarming heart heartwarming mixes and then two just real bleak mixes we should like keep that. it going yeah <laughs> uh, one of my, my favorite thing about that segment is just watching how people pick to tie the movies together it's a lot of fun um and speaking of movies that tie in to this week's movie we're going to head over to our rushmore mountain and we're going to discuss Foreign film in a foreign language. These are OR scrubs. Oh, are they? So you're going to pick 
the four movies that are foreign and in a foreign language. So they have to have that one inch barrier of subtitles that are boy Bong Joon Ho. Uh, so none of those British movies. Get out of yeah. here. Nothing British. Uh, no so your unsung gem does not count. Uh, you can't pick once, although I would love to. Um, <laughs> but anyways, without further ado, let's jump into it. Uh, Adam, we're going to start with you. Uh, so I, you know, on the the Google Doc, I saw a lot of Parasite, which was great. Mm-hmm. It meant that I didn't have to pick that because I'm sure we're going to talk about that. Um, so let's see. I'll I'll go I'll go chronologically here. Um, so my my oldest one uh, is from '72. It's Swedish. It's Ingmar Bergman, and it's Cries and Whispers. Oh, okay, cool. It was it was a, a movie we covered on a thousand and one by one, and it's essentially about these these four sisters, and one of them is sort of terminally ill, and the others kind of come and they haven't talked in a long time, and they're sort of reconvening to sort of go over the decisions of their life, and um, it's just it's Bergman, so it's it's beautifully shot, and mm-hmm. it's also got that sort of surrealistic nature to it. There's a lot of interesting cuts and shots, and and the color palette's uh, interesting, but I'm I'm you know. It's a weird thing to say, and I feel like maybe not a twenty twenty two thing to say, but I don't know if there's a man who wrote women better than Ingmar Bergman. Um, mm, yeah. I think, I think Persona is really good, and I saw that before this, and then I saw this, and this one just is like sat in my brain since I saw it. And um, I know Bergman's done a lot, and I haven't, I probably haven't seen enough of his, but Cries and Whispers is just a beautiful film with beautiful acting, and um, yeah, so that. That would make mine. Plus, it gets Bergman on there, who is just, I think, mm-hmm. one of those foreign film director names that you just you just think of. I was gonna say that's a that's a great choice. Like Bergman, that'd be a fun round for us to do. There's like so much totally. to choose from. Seventh Seal, watching that in school, like the film history class, and showing that, it's just like, what the fuck is it like? But like in the <laughs> best way, just like what is this movie? It's like, and then like dissecting it afterwards, like this was, it, it's an amazing film. You know, I think people know about it for a reason, but. And then going to visit his other stuff, like, you know, Autumn Sonata and Persona and things like that. Like he's, his stuff is beautiful to say the least. Totally. So, uh, uh, moving on, I'll go to, I'll go to 2002. Uh, I'll go to Spain. I'll go with Pedro Almodovar and I'm going to go with talk to her. Have you seen talk to her? No. No. Ah, so it won, uh, it won best original screenplay that year at the Oscars. And, um, Oh man, it's 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 a hard movie to to try to sum up. There's a uh, a journalist who falls in love with a female bullfighter who, in a kind of a tragic accident, ends up in a coma, mm. and so he doesn't know how to handle that or what to do. And he meets this male nurse who is uh, attending another patient, and he basically is like, "Talk to her; she can hear you." Like, and so <laughs> the journalist is trying to establish a relationship with this girl who's in a coma. And he's made this friendship with this male nurse, but then something like fucking bad shit happens with the, the male nurse that just sends okay. the plot down a different path. And um, it's, 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 it's very uh, dramatic. It's, um, it's, it's Almodovar. It's kind of over the top. You might even say melodramatic, but um, it's, I, I really dug the plot. I really dug the story. And nice. um Again, it takes some twists and turns that you don't necessarily expect for a movie that doesn't feel like it's going to take twists and turns. Um, mm-hmm. So I definitely I definitely recommend talk to her. Cool. <laughs> Shit, that sounds awesome. And then these these next two are just very 
Adam choices. These are just like, if you want to know what kind of movies I like, these are them. So <laughs> um, I, I went with a different South Korean director. I went with Park Chan-wook and I went with Old Boy. Cool. Yes. Yeah. That's um, a great because one. Because talk about a movie that has style and style to spare. Mm-hmm. I mean, this came out the same year as City of God, but it's, it's tone it's cinematography. Everything is so different, but it is visceral. Yeah. It is. And it just starts. Oh, I'm going to kidnap you and put you in a room for like 12 years. And then I'm going to let you out and you've got to figure out why. And talk about a fucking twist. If you have not seen this movie, oh, this one will is going to is going to like it's going to it's an uppercut. This twist. Totally. You're not going <laughs> to you're not going to see it coming. That's another one that was uh, introduced to me by the other Adam I told you about that has another podcast. Um, yeah. The, our pod father, he, he helped us set up this podcast up. And yeah, it's phenomenal show. It's really good. And then um, my last pick is one um, that I've only seen once. But again, it's it's stuck with me. And it's uh, it's 2005. It's French. It's Michael Haneke. And it's cachet. I've heard a lot about Haneke. He terrifies me. <laughs> so. So his mo- and like What's and his movie movies called? are very it's called Cache, okay. which I think I think translates to hidden. And now Michael Haneke made his bones. I think he he's most known for doing funny games, uh, okay. which was um uh, a big deal, I think at Cannes in 97. He also did a more, which was up for best picture, I think in like 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's been around, but Cache um is like it's a slow burn. It's about this, this, you know upper middle class couple in France who, you know, they definitely, I think they're both intellectuals. They both seem to have a great life and they start getting these um, VHS cassette tapes of them just living their life. Wow. And I've heard um, of this. Yeah. And it starts and, and you know, they, they're trying to figure out what it is and it leads the the husband down this path of remembering things that he kind of doesn't want to remember and having to, having to conflict a person, you know, uh, have to, have to, resolve something with a person he hasn't wanted to run run across and um i mean again it, it's 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 a slow burn but there's lots of twists great acting i think julia binoche is in she's probably the most known person in the uh in the cast and again an ending that just kind of leaves you going like it's not like it's not a twist but it's more like you you see the end of the movie and it's like wait what did i really <laughs> um I'm I'm also really glad like I have a lot of more known picks on like I could have picked from but I'm really glad I went with the ones I did because I'm like oh totally. cool. this is like another like uh recommendation section go see these movies they're great mm-hmm. absolutely and you you need to uh you need to meet uh my friend Adam because they also covered Henneke movies on their old their old podcast and that's why I was like I am terrified of this guy these movies sound insane like I don't know if I'm ready to watch these uh they sounded oh, and now there's a that was the one that did sound there, the most interesting to me. That was the one you just described. Yeah, there's uh, um, oh, Isabel Huppert uh, is in a movie he directed called The Piano Teacher. And I mean, she's phenomenal in it, but it is disturbing and dark and like, like, whoa, whoa. OK, this you're just going to yeah. go for it. All right. You do it. You do it. Hannah. <laughs> yes, apparently I might watch uh, I might watch Cache at some point, but I think I'll probably steer clear of the rest of them. I was pretty sufficiently scared off <laughs> that's cool list man i like those like and like you said it's a lot of stuff that um i've never seen i have seen old boy um but yeah i i do like the uh yeah i do like the uh obscurity of your list quite a bit yeah 
Benjamin, let's hear yours. Let's hear mine. Okay. Um, so Matt's gonna go first, but I'll do it. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, Parasite. Uh, that's we've talked about that quite a bit on this podcast. I don't really know what to say about it that hasn't been said on at least every other episode that we've done. I uh, just, I love that movie. I think it's great. Uh, we did the Apu trilogy. Uh, Panther Panjali really kind of stuck with me and still has. Um, that was the whole trilogy was great, but it's the only one that I gave uh, five stars. Uh, and I just, man, I, that movie to me was really about like what a first timer can do with a camera and just some like, I don't know, dedication or, you know, just like the will to do it all. Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. I love that movie so much. I want to shout out In the Mood for Love um, from Wong Kar Wai. I think it's like got to be one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. Tony Leung, who's in Shang-Chi. So people may know him from that. He's in a lot of other stuff, but just, you know, throwing out the widest net to the biggest base possible. He's in Shang-Chi. He's in a Marvel movie, but uh, <laughs> he's so good in this. Um, this was someone in my screenwriting class and she had found out that I'd never like watched any Wong Kar Wai movies. And she's like, go watch Chunking Express and in the mood for love. I'm like, okay, cool. And I love both of those movies, but in the mood for love is just the one that kind of sticks with me. And then I'm going to go with, I have it in my honorable mentions, but um, La Haine, I think is how it's pronounced a French film. Uh, it is, I think the recognizable person out of there is Vincent Castle. Um, but just, mm. you know, kind of a 24 hour like day in the life after this big riot of these three guys. And that was another one that was just suggested to me. There was a, it was actually a blind by Adam. Um, someone had come over, was like looking at my movies and asked if I had seen it. I was like, no, like, why do you own it? Like, I don't know. I'll watch it eventually. And we put it on right then. I was like, Oh, this was awesome. It's just been sitting on my bookshelf the whole time. So this is a, a great choice. So I'd go with that and just a quick honorable mention that we brought up um, during the Kurosawa film, but Rashomon, I love quite a bit mm-hmm. and would recommend that to anybody. Oh man, there's a great, the, the, the DJ in Lahaine. Oh man. Uh, there's a great, it is a great, it's like 90 seconds, but oh man, fi- just like YouTube Lahaine DJ scene. It's awesome. It's so it's good. Yeah. <laughs> So my list, as the youths would say, is pretty basic. Um, I feel like mine has like four movies that most people who have taken any steps into the foreign movie world have seen. But uh, it's going with Parasite. I, I loved that movie. That was, I mean, say no more. Uh, go watch it if you haven't seen it. Uh, to echo Ben, Father Panchali was just such a great experience in, in every sense. And so, yeah, go watch that one, too. We did an episode on it. Seven Samurai, but really that Seven Samurai, because it's the most famous Kurosawa movie, but it really stands in for like maybe four of Kurosawa's movies that could, yeah. could be thrown in there. Like, I just I, I love his movie so much. And then Life is Beautiful, uh, which is a movie I haven't been able to watch since I saw it again. <laughs> nice. And uh, who knows when I'll watch it again. Hopefully never. <laughs> um, which one is Life is Beautiful? Have I seen this? It's Roberto Benigni. Okay. It's the it's World War Two at Italy. Oh wait. Yeah. I just remember the Oscar thing where he this. runs across the everyone's chairs to get to the stage. Yes. 
I have seen that. Okay. Him, cool, and, yeah, him and his son go into a concentration camp and he basically is trying to convince his son that he's not in a concentration camp and he tries to make it a game. It's mm-hmm. it's one of those very it's very bittersweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one to to rewatch. That's that's sort of a a one timer there. <laughs> um well my list, just like Matt, is pretty basic. Uh it's if you've seen any foreign films, you've probably seen some of these. Uh Parasite, yeah, echoing Matt and Ben. That was like uh it was a it was a it blew me away. It was, you know, we talked about this earlier. We don't use that word, we don't use that description lightly, but it was uh somewhat of a revelation. You know, there was just it was just so good and I'd recommend it to anyone. Amelie was maybe the first foreign language movie that really stuck with me. Um, mm-hmm. I just love that movie so much. Yojimbo, we discovered in the uh Kurosawa round was my favorite of the three that we watched just narrowly edging out throne of blood, but sort of like what Matt said, it's sort of a stand in for just like for all of them. You know what I mean? Throw but, a dart at his filmography. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, and then city of God, it's got to go on there. I said it before. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. So it's got to be on my list. And then I just wanted to shout out Miyazaki in general, you know, like just, we also discovered him. Well, I discovered him on this podcast, mm-hmm. sort of, I'd seen princess Mononoke, but, um, yeah, I've got to shout that out. And then another honorable mention, the same director as Amelie. And honestly, they're sort of interchangeable. Um, but he has a he has a movie called The Very Long Engagement that I really, really loved. And the cinematography in it was just I just really, really it just really stuck with me. There's one shot in particular of a grain field in France and the way the wind sweeps across the grains has just like has lived in my head rent free since I saw it. Um, and so I would shout it out just for that scene alone, but yeah, Amelie parasite, Yojimbo and city of God's going to round it out. Um, I think we've got some pretty solid lists there. That's that's Mm -hmm. plenty for people to work their way through. Was there anything else anyone else wanted to talk about anything we didn't get to or things that we needed, we needed to, to mention before we get out of here. The only thing I wanted to mention was, uh, having, like where I lived was pretty close to the equator. It was uh, like six degrees south. And I'm watching this and everyone just having like a sweat the whole time looks so familiar. <laughs> it's like it's just it's just hot all the time. You're just like sticky and yeah. hot. <laughs> it's just just <laughs> watching this. I'm like, yeah, that looks so familiar. And I'm glad I'm not there right now. Or just like just like soaked through everything. But oh man. This was a really good rewatch. I'm glad we did it. And I really hope a lot of people have watched this or will go watch it after us spoiling everything. Cause I think it's still really enjoyable. Hopefully my disclaimer at the beginning will have <laughs> avoided that. But um, Adam, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Uh, you know, just I, I, kind of echoing the sentiments there about, uh, you know, watching, I have a, a, an old DVD copy and I was watching it and it, it started to, to skip around mm-hmm. the club scene. I was like, Oh no. Um, so I, you know, I stopped and took it out and then I, you know, went to the phone and looked it up and it's on, it's on HBO max. That's right. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's on a big enough streaming service that if you have it, you absolutely should do yourself a favor and, and watch this movie. Totally. It's a good call. Mm-hmm. We should be better about telling people if they can stream it somewhere, but yeah, HBO max for sure. As a matter of fact, Ben, that should be the promo for this week's episode. There you go. Locked it in. Boom. Look at me. I'm the director. <laughs> you're the editor. <laughs> Mm-hmm. um well uh adam why don't you uh take a moment and plug we actually didn't even talk about like what your podcasts are all about so maybe let's take a moment now and do that before we get out of here yeah yeah no problem um so 
Uh, the two that I do, uh, one is called Below Freezing. It's one that I do with my wife. And uh, the whole basis of the show is that we can only do movies that have a Rotten Tomatoes score of 32% or less. Nice. I love um, it. Which, which leads us to talking about, you know, we talk about big, spectacular blockbuster bombs. We're, we're currently going through the Underworld franchise. But, other, <laughs> but sometimes it, it's like tackling nostalgic choices of movies that we liked when we were younger. Uh, I will admit some of my picks have uh, been The Skulls. Oh, nice. And, and Antitrust. Oh, okay. Um, uh, those were movies that I liked when I was a, a a teenager and also just like really like vague, obscure, random, like straight to VHS movies, too. So we're we're all over the place. Are you um, we just have a lot of fun or audience or both. Like what's the uh, it's it's critics. Critics is the one we use um, okay. that it has to be under for sure. You may have done it already, but I'm really sad to report that like Hook falls into that at 29 percent. So I was like, oh, that's such a bummer. <laughs> We haven't yet. Oh, we have, really? we have oh, plans nice. on doing it later. I think, I think later this season we want to do it. Awesome. Well, if you need a guess, you got my number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, we, 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 we've been really, it's been, it's so easy for us to just hop into recording because we just live exactly, here. But like, yeah. we've been, we, we do, we've had guests on in the past. We've just been really bad about it lately. Um, <laughs> I'll blame it on my kids. And then, um, uh, and then rewind 2552 is something that came, uh, as an idea uh feeling honestly just i think uh, the the pandemic made me feel very nostalgic for things i liked when i was a kid and so i was like well let's do a podcast where we go back 25 years and we we cover whatever the newest and highest grossing movie was that week at the box office oh, okay. so um you know so far i think we're like 10 i think we're 10 weeks into releasing and so some of the movies we've talked about have been so, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's January, February. So those aren't necessarily when the best movies are released into theaters. Um, yeah. You know, we talked about Beverly Hills Ninja and um, uh, Dante's Peak have been some Ooh, of the nice. movies that we've chatted about so far. Ooh, Private um, Parts, but, but, the know, Howard Stern one. Yeah, that's actually that one just, we just released that one. Nice. Um, but then, you know, we're coming up into, you know, the spring and summer months. So tackling, you know, like the Lost World Jurassic Park. Is coming up. Cool. Uh, Con Air face cool. off. Man. You know, we got some big blockbuster movies coming up on the schedule, but just sort of, you know, each week it's like I don't even I don't pick the movie. The box office did. So yeah. we go back and and we take a look at music and current events and other things, too. But uh, and there's a different guest on for for every one of those. So it's just it's just fun to go back in time and uh, and and review some of these movies that maybe they've been forgotten. Yeah. And maybe on purpose they've been forgotten. Yes. <laughs> yeah. A, yeah. That's awesome. I like that idea a lot. That's cool. You can find us on all the socials. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. We're not, we're not hard to find. And we'll be, yeah, we'll put the links in all the show notes and everything. Sorry. My, my internet is going absolutely bananas right now. I didn't hear anything you said for the last like two minutes. So I was kind of just, just jumping in there. Try, I, I the didn't know when time. to jump in there. So. <laughs> <laughs> totally like, let's talk fine. about the hosting job um, Tyler yeah. did while he's not here. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, what an it idiot. beautiful. <laughs> let's talk about where we can find this other guy's podcast. Anywhere you can find podcasts. In fact, anywhere you can find our podcast, which I assume is Spotify. Uh, you guys have a YouTube channel? No, we don't. We don't do YouTube. Ah. So we got a leg up for, on you. Nice for no. I don't know why we don't. We don't. <laughs> well, after you've watched our podcast on YouTube or listen to it on Spotify, good pods, Apple podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, please go check out our friend Adam's podcast. Uh, Adam, we really enjoyed having you here. I mean, I know I did. I don't want to yeah. 
speak for the guys here, but I'm sure they echo my sentiments. We did. It was an absolute Tur- blast turns out we did. Yeah. I certainly value your insight. It's been a good time. Oh, it's you can that the the yeah. hate the hate chat can continue when I'm gone. It's, it's, it's <laughs> in private messaging Matt on the side. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my internet, we'll, we'll keep it between us. It's all good. <laughs> well, my internet is completely failing me at this point, so I'm gonna have to to end this thing. And uh, Adam, thanks again, and to our listeners uh, and watchers, we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. See, see ya. ya.